in Ephesians 4, it gives us an illustration, even though we didn't read it together right now, of how many ways you can be growing in Christ. Um, and that's not even to say that God expects you to grow. If you're to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, we will read this together. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Right? That's just one little verse. It's not as long as Ephesians chapter 4, but even within it, there's an expectation of growing in grace. Verse 18. And knowledge in the same verse there. If you turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and then go to chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's read verses 3 and 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of everyone for who, uh, one of you for another is increasing. So in this section, we see your faith is growing, and your love for each other is growing. And finally, in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read together verse 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You're growing in love, verse 9. You're growing in knowledge, verse 9. You're growing in discernment, verse 9. So just by way of introduction to the lesson, how do you grow in Christ? How is one to grow in Christ? These four verses, these sections that we flip to, give us a whole bunch of ways in which we're growing in Christ. I mean, we talked about working of service, unity of faith, knowledge of Son of God, faith, love, knowledge, discernment. There's so many areas that we're supposed to be growing if I'm a believer, right? And so this morning as we talk about this idea I think we could spend a lot of time talking about each one of these little things you're growing in. That's not kind of the goal of this lesson. Um, it's to look at it kind of on a broader scale. Look at, one, desire to grow and how you actually should want to grow up. Two is looking at nourishment. How exactly do I supply myself or is God supplying me with the things that I need to grow? What are they? Thirdly, how do I exercise in practice? Um, one, we need to grow, we need to you know, eat kind of this idea of nourishment. We need something that grows us, and we need something that we can be doing to kind of help along that food, right? And then finally, we get into kind of time and patience, and just the course that some of these things take time in growing. That's kind of the outline of this lesson that I want us to go through. As you noticed, kind of from the beginning here, a lot of different verses, um, you can kind of get tricky to flip along with some of these so some of these i'm just going to reference and if you want to read them later write them down um, take note of them and you can go back and read them as well just because there's too many verses to hit on this morning so as a christian as a believer i need to be growing you need to be growing um, just like a child is born Every good parent has an expectation that that child is going to move from being an infant and being really needy to a little less needy a year from now, 
right? And then five years from now, far less needy. And then eventually you have the hope that your kid's going to move out and get a job and have their own family, right? That's generally what people hope for their children. Um, that's what God hopes for his children spiritually. You're going to start off as a baby, and God understands that. But if you end as a baby, that's the problem. That's when God starts asking hard questions. Why are you still a baby? Have you not been growing? Have you been not training yourself? Why are you still in the milk? And we're going to look at some of these verses that hash this out. And as you know, babies want to grow up. Have you ever noticed that? Like you've been around like little kids. They're always trying to do the next thing. Like for babies, it starts off with trying to like hold the bottle. I think that's kind of like the big, like they want to take control of the thing that's coming to them. They're always grabbing stuff. They want to be able to do that. They want to talk. They're kind of just babbling and you're like, oh, I wish I knew what you were saying. You know, you're going to get there someday. They want to talk to you, right? Next, they want to walk. They're trying to go places. Eventually, kids want to drive, right? I can't wait till I'm 15 or 16 and I can drive. I can't wait till I go to college. I can't wait till I get a job, right? Always wanting to grow. Spiritually, God wants you to grow up and he wants you to want to grow up. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to just be needy all the time and never actually move anywhere. And so that's the first concept that I want to talk about. Christians need to desire growing up. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we have this picture of like becoming a Christian is it, right? Like I'm going to become a believer and that's like where the work ends. Like you've convinced me now I'm a believer. Did you know that's actually where the work starts? You're supposed to grow up now that you're a believer, Right? You don't just stay there. And so look at 1 Peter. We looked at 2 Peter a moment ago. Look at 1 Peter with me. We are going to read these verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. One requirement for growing up in God that's worth noting here is that you've tasted that the Lord is good. That's just one way to say that you're a believer, right? You've tasted what the Lord has to offer, and you've decided that it's a good thing, right? But look, the point in this that I want to see is that there is a desire to grow. Look at verse 2. Like newborn, yours might say babies, mine says infants. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. When a baby really wants to eat, that can be misery for everybody around them, right? It's just like, ah, somebody please feed this child because they really want it. And they express that really in the only ways they know how, right? It's not like a fault of their own because they're immature. In a similar way, as a newborn babe in Christ, if that's you, you need to long for the spiritual milk. You need to make it a priority in your life to get the food that you need to grow up. Babies also <laughs> require the help of other people to get them that food. And I imagine God wants that from us. You got to know you need to grow. You've got to desire growth so that so much so you long for the spiritual milk. And we'll move into more application later, but I'm going to suggest to you that that, like a baby, is going to involve other people. So we need to long for the spiritual milk of God. 
Growing in the Lord means decreasing in other things. Did you look at verse 1? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. When we know we need to grow in the Lord, it needs to come with an understanding that that means we're going to decrease in other things. Sometimes we say, like, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want that to affect my life, like in other ways. Have you ever, like, kind of said that to yourself? Like, this isn't going to affect my job or my friends or, like, who I am. Like, I'm still me. I'm just a Christian, right? It actually affects other things. Other things should naturally go away, should be decreased because you're choosing to grow with God. And that's going to have an effect in other parts of your life. Do you want to grow up? If you're a believer, you have to grow up. You have to want to grow up. Or are you kind of a spiritual baby, right? And are you okay with just Stay in a baby. Um, it's easy to be a baby. You don't have responsibilities. Others feed you, clothe you, change your diaper. In the church, are you kind of that baby? Are other people feeding you? Right? Other people are responsible for your spiritual well-being. You aren't. Other people are. Or in the church, you don't have to teach. Other people will do that. You don't have to, like correct anybody other other people will handle that right like you don't have to rebuke somebody for their sin the grown-ups will do that right you don't have to lead in any way you're just kind of in the seat other people lead right are you okay with staying a spiritual baby these are the questions that we have to answer if you're going to be a christian and you're going to be a faithful christian you need to want to grow up you can't stay a baby uh we won't turn here, but if you want to write this down, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, when Paul uh, says what a lot of us probably know and don't realize we know, and he says, I press on towards the upward call of Christ Jesus. Was Paul content with where he was, even as great as Paul seemed? Right? He seemed so mature and so wise. He desired to keep growing. He desired to get closer to God. And there's a lot of things that that passage teaches us. I think minimally it shows Paul's discontent with where he is. He wants to be more and he wants to do better, right? And that's the attitude that we need to have. So, one, Christians need to grow and they have to want it. You have to want to grow up. Now, how do we grow? God gives us nourishment. Did you know that? Just like in life with your body, when you're a kid, you want to grow up, but you can't grow up if you're not, like, eating did you know that? You won't ever actually like grow if you don't eat something. God provides us with the things that we need to eat right, to grow up. Um, and I'm going to talk about what a couple of those are. So how do I get nourishment from God so I can grow? One way is in Acts chapter 17. Um, there's a lot of passages you could look at, like verses that talk about this idea. I think this is a really succinct one. That's why I picked it. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, a verse probably a lot of us are familiar with. It reads, Now the Jews, these Jews were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining Scripture daily to see if things were so. Now we don't have time to talk about this whole chapter and why that's there, but minimally, Jews in some place, right, Berea, 
were really noble-minded by God because they had a habit of paying attention to God's word. Like people come in and they say one thing, they say, well, where's that in the Bible, right? Or let me read the Bible every day so that when someone asks me a question or somebody challenges something, I'll have an idea about what God says about it. I'm going to suggest to you that that's one way God nourishes us. Like if you're a baby, right? If you've never grown up to be mature in Christ, one way you can start doing that is paying attention to God's word. And one way the Bereans showed us how to do that is they did it daily. If you want to grow up, a good place to start is read God's word every day. Examine it. Pay attention to it. Be involved in discussions about it. Right? Another way that God wants us to grow up and he gives us nourishment is through prayer. Philippians chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Verse 5, actually. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't think any of us pretend to know exactly all the ways God works through prayer. It's kind of one of those things that we accept and we see the results of sometimes, but we don't always understand the how, right? God nourishes us through prayer. The more we learn to talk to him and pray to him and communicate, the more God is going to let us see and grow, right? In this verse specifically, we see a couple things. Anxiety is being passed on to God. Anxiety to God becomes trust, right? We're passing my anxiety, and I'm giving it to God. And so now I've grown in that, right? He's turned it into trust or faith. Also, we see the peace of God nourishing those who pray, right? Which implies to me that I can't have that peace that's being offered unless I'm praying, right? In that sense. And so God is trying to not only nourish us through his word, but through our relationship in prayer, he's trying to help us grow up. Right? If you don't want to be a baby, let God help you. Pray to God. Let him work in your life. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. God wants to nourish us through prayer so that we can grow up. God wants to nourish us through the word so that we can grow up. And God wants to use other believers to help you grow up. Did you know that? In Hebrews chapter 10, in fact, apparently... Uh, one way to stir up one another to love and good works is by not avoiding meeting with other Christians. If you want to be a mature believer, if you want God to look at you and be like, they have grown up because they've received nourishment from me, you need to be going to church, right? I feel like, you know, like my dad or my grandparents or something saying that, go to church, right? But it's true, God says it, and I'm saying it not because my parents said it or my grandparents said it or my friends say it or whatever, but because 
God is making the point, if you want to be stirred up to love and good works, i.e. grow, and you want to help other people grow, don't flake out on church. When Christians get together, that's one time church services, right? Don't bail out on that. Now, I think this is bigger than that. When you see Christians gathering, make that a priority in your life. Spend time with Christians outside of church. I think it's a bigger point than just church, right? But minimally, we see that when people come together on Sunday to worship God, that's your opportunity to grow and help others grow. Hebrews chapter 5, if you just flip over a little bit. Hebrews chapter 5. This is what it looks like when you reject God's nourishment, whether it's the word or prayer or meeting with other Christians, this is what you're going to look like. Verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Since you've become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's how you're viewed by God if you reject the things that he's trying to help you grow up with. He's just going to say, you know what, you're still on the milk. You can't even discern good or evil. But if I'm receiving the word and I'm praying and I'm meeting with other people and I'm using the tools and the nourishment God's given me, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm going to be the person, conversely, that said in verse 12, you are a teacher. I'm no longer just a listener or a learner. I'm now a teacher. right? If you continue in that, he would say, you need not milk but solid food. Now it's time for the hard stuff. right? In fact, he might even say, I'm skilled in the word of righteousness since I'm a man. right? If you continue in verse 14, he would say, I've had my power of discernment trained and I'm ready to distinguish good from evil. But if I don't, God says I'm not, right? All right, so we've seen how God wants us to want to grow, right? We've seen how God, and vaguely, right, we didn't hit on everything, plans to nourish us through the word, through prayer, through the meeting of, with other believers. Finally, we're going to see a little bit uh, here is how to exercise or practice this, right? So God's part is like, hey, here's how you could be nourished. My part is, all right, what can I do? What can I exercise or practice to help my growth, right? Um, because like we said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, we need to grow that discernment of good and evil. If you want to write this down, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 uh, talks about how we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. The idea is you're growing towards godliness. But here's the application. We kind of already made this just going through the nourishment. Pray, right? Pray often. Pray with other people. Ask for prayers. Like Make prayer like a cornerstone of your life. And that doesn't mean, you know, I've got to pray eight hours a day. If you did, great for you, like, more power to you. That's way more than I think I've ever done in any one day. But make it a part of your regular life, not an exception to your life, a part of your regular life. 
Read your Bible. Ask other people Bible questions like, hey, I don't get this. Help me with it. Right? Memorize a verse, your favorite verse, and then work out from there. Right? And do it every day, just like the Bereans did. Just like you're going to pray every day now. It's a part of your regular life. Bible reading is a part of your regular life. And God's going to grow you just through those two things even. This one is a, a, a no-brainer, but we don't do a very good job with this all the time if we're being honest. Come to church, right? Like if you know Christians are meeting and you know people might even expect you to be there and you choose not to be there, that's a problem, right? Come to church. Make gathering with Christians, church or not, a priority, right? Make that important to you. To get there on time. Be an active participant, right? Sometimes I, like, if I can get myself up in the morning, I'm just kind of there, half asleep, or, like, thinking about what I'm going to do after church, like, with my friends or whatever. Be active participant. Be involved and invested in what's going on, right? Because you remember God says in Hebrews chapter 10 that it was for the building up of others, for stirring up love and good works. If I just come to come, I'm not really doing that, right? Be active participant. You know, this one is a little tougher because you might not uh, live here in Atlanta, and so this might not apply to you wherever you are, but join a neighborhood Bible study, right? I personally know of a bunch going on around Atlanta, and if you're not in one during the week and you have some free time, get involved with one, right? Um, take advantage of opportunities near you to be encouraged or encourage other people. And really, I just say that is one way in that I'm being proactive. Like if I want to grow, one way that Josh thought of preparing for this lesson is, hey, if I want to grow, maybe I seek non-church Bible studies, right? Just like go be part of a Bible study near me, right? Volunteer to do something outside of your comfort zone. If you want to grow, step out of your comfort zone. If you don't teach Bible classes, maybe volunteer to try that out sometime. Right? And that could be at church or it could be just at your house, whatever. Just teach someone. Host a Bible study if you're not up for teaching and you think, I've got a house and have people over, right? Uh, pray with a friend. Talk to people you don't know at church. Right? All ways that we can be exercising some sort of growth, stepping outside of our comfort zones. Right? Finally, set growth goals for yourself. Let someone else know what they are. So if you want to grow and you recognize God has given you some tools to grow, prayer, reading, coming to church, stuff like that, and you're trying to think, all right, I need some tangible, like, I know I need to grow, so how do I measure that? Set some clear goals. And better yet, let people know what those goals are so that they can see if you're actually meeting them, not to, you know, dog you if you're not, but just to keep you honest. Like, hey, are you actually moving forward? Right? Or are you moving backwards? And that's just some simple application, right? And that's exercise and practice. God has given you the tools to grow, and these are just my quick suggestions on ways you can utilize them. God's given you the church, go. God's given you the Bible, read it. God's listening to you if you pray, pray. Right? Use those resources. Finally, uh, 
here. Don't expect to reach maturity, which should be your goal, by the way, overnight. Um, I think one of the best ways Satan can kill our desire to grow is by convincing us that it should be going faster than it is. Right? Like, have you ever experienced that? Like, you think you've grown, and whether this is spiritual or not, just in anything, you think you've made progress and you realize you haven't made nearly as much as you thought. I remember when I was trying to teach myself guitar, and I still don't know guitar very well, but when I was young, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn guitar. I'm too proud to ask my dad to teach me, so I'm just going to learn secretly on my own. It took me months before I learned one song, and then I went, I was like, I'm finally ready to show dad that I've been doing this on my own. And then, like, when I got to him, I couldn't play it. Like, I, I thought I was better than I was, and then I looked silly, right? And then I didn't touch the guitar for months after that because I embarrassed myself and I was disappointed that I wasn't better than I was. That's a silly example, right? But we do that. Like, I thought I was better than that. Well, Satan tries to tell you, you should have grown more than that. You should have grown faster than that to discourage you, right? Sometimes new Christians get frustrated that they don't know everything sooner or aren't skilled enough to lead yet. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Sometimes people that have been Christians for a while, mature Christians, don't understand that new Christians might not understand the Bible entirely, right? Or they might not be able to lead, right? Maturity takes time. And whether you're the one maturing or you're the one watching people mature, understand that. It takes time. And this is the last thing that I want to say about time and patience. Look in Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And I'm sure your translation maybe doesn't read exactly like that. The idea is the same. And what I want to say about this is, I just said, don't expect to reach maturity overnight. And the second point about having patience and allowing time is don't be discouraged by mistakes or rebukes. You ever notice kids need a lot of both of those things? Kids need to make a lot of mistakes, and kids need a lot of, like, rebuke, right? Um, when they're really little, you might do something like, don't stick your finger in the socket, right? Well, if a kid does that and get shocked, that was a mistake, right? And then you might have to rebuke them if you catch them in the corner of their eye going for it, right? Kids might need to be told, hey, it's not okay to lie or throw a fit when you don't get your way, right? Like, and sometimes those lessons are learned in front of a lot of their friends or their family, right? And then they get embarrassed and the fit gets worse, right? Proverbs 29 is saying like, when you're rebuked, don't stiffen your neck, right? Don't fight the rebuke, but rather in verse uh, 1 there, it says, if you do, you'll suddenly be broken and beyond healing. Have you ever seen that happen? Like someone, it's a potential teaching moment, a learning moment, and instead of accepting it, Someone really fights it, and it ends up just being more broken than it ever was to begin with. And if they just had a little humility, it would have been great. Everyone would have learned. 
Everyone could have been a little better for it. But because of the responses of those receiving the teaching or the rebuke, it just shatters. It blows up in your face, right? Don't be that person. If you want to be mature, expect to make some mistakes and accept rebukes when you make those mistakes. God doesn't say that that's an inappropriate thing for you to be corrected or rebuked, but rather it's inappropriate when you stiffen against it and you break beyond repair, right? Hebrews chapter 12, this is the last verse that we'll read and we'll be done. Hebrews chapter 12. Read verse 4, beginning. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline. And I think the appropriate way to read the word discipline here is sometimes we might think like in trouble, like God gets mad and punishes you. But really this idea is like trains you, right? Like he's training you, he's disciplining you. And that's really what growing up as a believer, growing in Christ is all about, is accepting the training of the Lord, not accepting just staying untrained and unskilled and a baby. And when you know you need to take the discipline of the Lord, you need to grow, and God says, hey, understand my discipline by reading my word. Understand how I'm going to help you and ask for my help by praying. Let other people rebuke and teach you when they're meeting together, right? Stir you up to love and good works. Practice these things by praying and reading and all these things. That is really a show of God's love for you. That he's willing to exercise the effort of disciplining you. Using his resources to actually train you to be mature. Uh, Some of us in this room may be more mature than others. Uh, And I'm not saying go around the room and be like, you're mature, you're not mature, you're mature. You're in the middle. You could do better. You know, just kind of go around. Look at yourself and say, hey, when I became a Christian, am I more mature than that moment? Or am I still needing to be fed? And am I still needing to take care of other people take care of me? My spiritual well-being is dependent on other people's support. That when problems arise, I'm usually part of the problem. I'm not the one solving them. Look at yourself and ask yourself those hard questions. If you're still on that side, then use some of these tools to move out of that. If you've done some growing and you've kind of stalled out, recognize that and say like, hey, look, in the last year I haven't really moved forward at all. I need to get back on it, right? I need to keep pushing myself forward. Whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian forever, whether you're somewhere in between, there's probably some growth you still have left, right? 
And that's what I was saying when I said this lesson's kind of like a shotgun. It doesn't really like hit any one specific thing. It's kind of broad, but that's good in a way because it lets all of us use these, this outline to kind of say, hey, where am I? And what has God supplied me with so that I could be more mature? And so I hope that this lesson's helpful for you. It's a really simple lesson. I felt kind of silly doing it in a way because it's like, hey, we need to grow. Um, but hopefully it's a good way to kind of step back to the basics and say like, hey, am I really taking advantage of the simple things that are around me so that I can keep growing? If you find yourself not doing that, maybe today's the day that you ask us to pray for you and like make goals with you and help you with that. Um, if you're doing a good job of that, be the person that volunteers to help someone else that maybe is not doing as good of a job. And actually, after the sermon, like, don't be a weirdo and go around and be like, I've noticed you're not very mature, Chuck. But actually talk to each other and say, like, hey, is this something I could be praying for you about? Is this something that, like, you see in me that I need work in this area? Remember Proverbs 29, don't stiffen your neck to that, except admonishing and rebuke. And let's actually grow towards being mature people so that this church can be everything Jesus wants it to be. I appreciate you guys' time and attention, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll all continue to grow in the Lord.